Right, if I recall correctly, we have Kids World this morning, so young ones, if you would. You know, they just don't appreciate that level of enthusiasm and energy. I just think if I could tap that, man, I'd make millions. Unfortunately, I don't have the enthusiasm or the energy to do it, so. Um, All right, I'm just going to jump straight in. Uh, If you want to come with me, uh, we're going to start off in the book of Acts, chapter 5. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias... Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband, and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. A bunch of you just freaked out. (laughs) And in your mind, Certainly not out loud, because heaven forbid, but in your mind you went, oh man, he's going to talk about money. (laughs) Sort of. Uh, Trust me, money is not something uh, we enjoy preaching about. It's it's not something we talk about a lot. Uh, We talk about it far less than the Bible talks about it. But yes, while the story seems to be about money, it's about something much larger. Because see, the, the issue is not that Ananias and Sapphira had had all this money and and they didn't give all of it to God. It's it's that they claimed to give all of it. They withheld on God. And it's not even what they did at at the human level, at the church level. It's not that they came into the church, this brand new organization that, that just in its fledgling days did not have room for bad examples, did not have room for, for this kind of nonsense. You know, it's not like God was rooting it out just for the sake of, of um, trying to purify this new creation, this new body. It, it tells us on at least two occasions, the problem is they tried to lie to God. They tried to make the case that we have given everything we have, Lord. I mean, you're, you're lying to God? How does that work? How does it work that you... Come on, we've all lied. Some of us are really good at it. Some of us not. 
Um, I think back to growing up and the stuff I did as a teenager that, uh, <laughs> dude, the stuff I did as a teenager. My brother, on the other hand, my brother couldn't, couldn't look wrong and get away with it. I mean, literally, there was an occasion where he had borrowed his parents' car and he's clear over the other side. He's like out in Muldoon. I don't know why, he's out in Muldoon. He's letting a friend drive his car. They're goofing off. They're being stupid. My parents pull up next to him at an intersection. These are the kind of people who can't get away with things. But when you're dealing with God, what in your right mind makes you think, I can put this one over on God? And that's the problem. They were withholding from God. They were trying to make the case, God, I have given you everything I have to give, and there's nothing left. And how many times do we do the same thing? Now, yeah, a, a little bit, a little bit, it's about money. Um, you know, because that's what the story was. And, you know, sometimes uh, we don't subscribe here to the, the biblical tithe, the specific 10%. Because quite honestly, for some of you, 10% is just undoable. That, that would just be wrong and cruel to insist on 10%. For other people, 10% is like, dude, come on, man. You drop 20% on a, on a waitress at, 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 out, at Outback. Oh, yikes. <laughs> I went for Steak Place, and I had Roadhouse and Outback and... But the thing is, and, and, and we've, we've, we've stressed this time and again, we stress this in new members class, is when it comes to your money, if, if you have a conversation, you have a conversation with God, and you say, God, here is my money, how much do you want? And when God says, I want X, you give X. It's just that simple. To give less than X is to withhold from God. And, and whether you're withholding hundreds of dollars or you're withholding $3, God has laid claim to something in your life and you have said, I'm giving all I can, I can't give any more. And God says, I wouldn't have asked for more if I didn't know it was there to give. And for some of us, I mean, money is the easy conversation. What about your time? I mean, let's say we apply the tithe principle to time. How many hours you have in a week? Right, 168. So if you were to tithe on your time, 16.8 hours per week to give to God. Ooh, Lord, ah. And we go... Dude, I just can't make it for one hour on Sunday morning. God's got another 15.9 hours a week he's looking at. And yet we, we say, oh, Lord, I'm so busy. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I just don't have the time for fill in the blank. Now, nobody's expecting 16 hours of your life every week. Except God. Because, see, God wants... All of it. That's the point we're going to get to here. With everything we talk about this morning, God wants all of it. God wants all your time. 
And that doesn't mean 16.8 hours a week are going to be dedicated to some sort of religious service. You know, it's not like you have a time card and you, all right, I was an hour and a half at church, and, uh, well, you know, I was at church for an hour and a half, but I'm going to also count, like, working in kids' world, because that's like a whole separate thing, sort of-ish, so I'm going to count that. And, oh, man, we don't have Sunday night, we don't have Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. I'm getting short. What do I do? God wants your time. And that may be in the middle of the day. It may be in the middle of your workday. It may be at lunchtime. God wants your time. And you know what God wants you to do with your time, but are you doing it? If you know and you're not, you're withholding. And you are literally in the same boat as Ananias and Sapphira. What about your talents and your skills and your gifts? Has there ever been a moment in church or out where somebody said, you know what we really need is we really need somebody who can fill in the blank. And you got that. Because you know, you're just waiting for that. Some person go, wait a minute. You can do that. My time, my talent. I, I just don't want to. I just don't want it. Lord, I, you know, I just don't have it to give. How many times have you said about something, I just don't have, I just can't, I just don't have it, I'm just not able to, in here, in your heart of hearts, and you thought that somehow God went, oh no, you know, you're absolutely right, I'm looking at the course of your week, and you clearly do not have the time to do this thing I've specifically asked you above all others to do. That seems easy. But, you know, there's other stuff. There's other places where we withhold. And this is where it gets, this is where it gets personal. This is where we almost were like, Lord, you have no claim to this. What about your past? What in your past are you holding on to that God has laid claim to? God has said, give me this thing. And you have said, no. Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe it's pain you're bearing from the past. Maybe it's the memory of something that was done to you or something you did. Maybe it's this internal voice in the back of your mind, the one that says all those things about you, the one that, that calls you all those things, the one that minimizes you and reduces you, and the one that in face of all other things God says about you, this is the voice you listen to. Because this is the voice you believe. And God is saying, give me that. And we say, I can't. Because it's right. It's true. I am the, the, the loser, the, the valueless, the worthless. I am broken. I am all these things it says. And somehow in our minds, that gets more weight than all the things that God says about this about us. You are beloved. You are chosen. You are my child. I have adopted you into my family. I have given you my spirit and all the power I possess to use in your life. And yet somehow we just can't give it. Isaiah 43:18. Remember not the former things nor consider the things of old. Remember not the form. Stop thinking about all that stuff back there. Stop thinking about back when. 
Stop thinking about all those things in your past that are weighing you down, that are holding you back, that God is desperately going, give me that. It's like, it's like this shtick that Bill Cosby used to do. I know, I don't want to go too loud, but it just, it just hit me. This thing where, like, the baby gets into the kitchen and gets a cookie. And you're like, give me that cookie. And all of a sudden, this little child, toddler, has the reflexes of a ninja. And you're like, dip, 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 And the kid's like, whoosh, whoosh, give me that cookie. No, 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 give it, give it, give it, give it, give it. And it's funny, but God is doing the exact same thing with you. Every time there's something in your past that holds you down, that keeps you back, that holds you back, God is going, would you just give it to me? If you give it to me, I'll give you something better. And it's true. If you give it to him, he will give you something better. But we withhold it. My whole life, I place in your hands, except for the smallest I have over here, you can't have that. And we withhold. What about your future? I mean, we all got plans, right? We have plans, we have ideas, we have paths we've already set in motion. We have bucket lists. We have lists of things we want to do before we die. And we put them in writing and we set out the plans and we look in the future and go, I'm gonna go here, I'm gonna do this, it's gonna be like this. And we start making plans and somewhere along the way we forgot to ask, uh, Lord, I'm thinking, what do you think? Just as much as God wants your past, God wants your future. The very next verse. Hey, stop thinking about the old things. Remember not what happened back then, but behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I'm coming up with new plans. I'm coming up with new ideas. I've got such great stuff in store for you in the future and you're holding on to your I, and in, in the larger scheme of things if we could view life the way God views life God's already seen it and God's going you you want this this I've got this I've got the prices right showcase over here and you want this thing from the dollar store And yet, we, we refuse to give those plans to God because we have the idea, if I can just get here, if I can just do that, if I can just, if I can just. And we hold on to those things. And we withhold from God. What would life be like if we just came to the point where we said, Lord, it's all yours. Wherever I'm going, it's all yours. Wherever you want me to be, it's all yours. Just point me in the right direction and I'll go. You look at the, at, at the disciples, at the, the figures in the New Testament, and all the things that came after Jesus left. Jesus went to prepare a new place, and all the things those that were left behind did, and all the stuff they went through. And somehow maybe we're, we're a little afraid that if I turn my life, if I turn my future over to God, 
It's going to go like he's going to send me places I don't want to go, and I'm going to have to do things I don't want to do, and I'm going to get out of my comfort zone, and it's going to be icky. Me. And I, I'm not going to say it's not. I'm going to say, you know, it's, it's 50-50. 60, like 70, 30, there's going to be icky in there. And yet, if you go back to those same figures, to a Paul, to a Peter, to a Thomas, to a John, and ask them, don't you wish you did something different? Don't you wish you'd kind of gone your own way? Not one of them would say yes, because what God had in store for them was greater than what they could construct on their own. And the same is true for you today. So just as much as you can't withhold the past, you can't withhold your future. And one more. And this is where this is where it gets icky. Forgiveness. Where in your heart of hearts are you withholding forgiveness? Maybe there's a grudge you've been carrying for 20 years, 30 years. Maybe it's against a friend or a brother or your parents. Maybe it's, it's against some other loved one. Maybe it's, it's something they did that was so egregious, you just absolutely cannot forgive it. And it's not that you cannot forgive it, it's that you refuse. I will not. I will not forgive this thing. So you withhold that forgiveness. And see, and it seems like in withholding forgiveness, that's between you and the other person. That's between me and them. This has got nothing to do with God. Uh, yeah, except for, you know, the Bible. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. Your willingness, your ability to forgive others is directly connected to God forgiving you what you've done. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And folks, that's in red. This is not some opinion that Paul had that was culturally relevant. This is Jesus, which means everyone, everywhere, always. And maybe, maybe the forgiveness you refuse to give is not for another person. Maybe it's for yourself. Maybe you look back to that past. You look back to those things that you're withholding from God because there's something back there that is so horrible. You just simply, I, I can't forgive myself for that thing. I can't forgive myself for what I did. I can't forgive myself for who I was. See, we, we have all these things, all these various areas of our life, and we, and we, we want to think, I'm going to give it all to God, it, it, except for just these couple of things, and it's going to be okay. But it's not. It doesn't work like that. God wants totality. God wants everything. And just because God asks for everything doesn't mean he's going to keep everything. God is good that way. Whatever God asks of you, whatever you give to him, he is going to give back in multitudes. And let me be clear, I am not talking about money. I am not talking about stuff. 
I have no idea what God wants to pour out into your life. The sad, awful truth is there are some of us who are going to be broke until the day we die. And we will be blessed to the heavens in the midst of it. But we have to give God everything. See, when we, when we take our resources and we withhold resources, we are cutting ourselves off from the blessing of being able to work with God, to be able to participate in God's kingdom with him in partnership together. When God asks for your, your treasure, your time, your talent, your gifts, God is saying, hey, I'm working on this thing over here, and I would love for you to come work on it with me. To work in partnership, hand in hand with God, what could be more blessing-filled than that? And conversely, when we look at the past, when we look at the future, when we look at forgiveness, and we withhold those, and we keep those back, they are weights that we have bound to ourselves, that we are carrying through life. We have chosen to take curses upon ourselves rather than turn them over to God. God's like, I want all the, I want your hurts. I want your pain. I want those horrible things you did. I want those horrible voices in your head. I want to take it all away from you and replace it with something better. And when we refuse, we travel through this world with an ungodly weight we were never meant to take. So I ask you this morning, what are you withholding? Because you are. Somewhere, something, every single one of us is holding something back. And when we do, we cut ourselves off from what God is trying to do in our lives. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask Tracy to come up, do a little tinkling of the piano, do a couple of verses of I Surrender All. And while he's doing that, I want you to think about what, don't think about it, ask. God, what am I holding back from you? And it's a scary proposition because when you ask a question like that, God is going to answer you. And you're going to feel bad. And you're going to feel icky. And you're going to feel guilty. And you're going to feel shame. And good. Because maybe that's the thing that will finally motivate you to go, I just don't want it anymore. There was a moment when when. Peter and Jesus are sitting out in front of the temple and, and they're watching people coming and giving their gifts. And again, it, it seems like a money story, but it's about so much more. And people are coming by and they're dropping off their gifts to the temple and they're dropping off their offerings. And Jesus, just Peter, Peter. And he's smacking Peter because Peter's being stupid like Peter tended to be. He goes, look, look at, look at this. Look at that woman. And a small fragile, frail little old lady walks by and she drops in the most meager of coins. And you know, and I gotta think, at least in my mind, the Jesus I know, he got verklempt. He, he teared up. He had tears in his eyes and he had that manly, you know, the Adam's apple bob. The, he's like, she just gave everything she had which is so much more than everybody else gave. 
It's what Jesus wants from you this morning. Give it all. So for the next couple minutes, ask, Father, what am I holding back? What do I need to give? He'll tell you. And then when the singing starts, don't just sing it. We just did this song last week, and probably none of what I'm talking about this morning even dawned on you. You probably sang the song, I surrender all in good conscience, with full belief you would surrender it all. But now I want you to think about it this morning. And don't just sing the song because everybody else is singing the song. I want you to sing the song as a prayer. If you reach a point this morning where you are well and truly ready to give everything, then join in that singing. But don't just sing it for those around you. Sing it as a prayer to God, as a prayer of offering and a prayer of thanks.
bow with me as we close in prayer. Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Father, for seeking after us, pursuing us even, even in the midst of, of our fleeing from you. Father, I pray this morning that each one of us would have taken this time to reach out to you and to, to truly, truly seek from you what it is we're withholding, what it is you lay claim to, and what it is we need to offer up. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. And may we each leave this place carrying nothing that was meant to be left for Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.